Did we just witness the first ever win-win in the history of college football? Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker left the program to become the head coach at Troy just two days before signing day. And yet, I think this is the best thing that could have happened for everyone involved. That's next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome to Lockdown Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 19th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And what a week it has been for the Fighting Irish football team. Uh, and it's only Tuesday. Like, at this rate, I'm not even sure I'm mentally prepared for what's going to happen tomorrow on signing day. It sounds like it's going to be pretty straightforward, but who knows with the way things have gone around the Notre Dame football program the past few weeks. On Monday, we got arguably the biggest news of the offseason so far in that Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker is leaving the program to become the next head coach at Troy. This story came together pretty quickly. Rumors started to swirl around 11 a.m. Eastern that Jared Parker is being targeted for the job at Troy. And then about an hour later, Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports, as well as Pete Thamel from ESPN, broke the story that Jared Parker had accepted the job. Notre Dame confirmed the report not long after and announced that Gino Gadoli uh, would handle the responsibilities of offensive coordinator and play caller during the ballgame. And there is just... So much I want to get into on today's show. And this is something that I'm sure I'm going to be talking about for the coming weeks and even months of the offseason because I believe this is going to be the biggest story of the offseason. Or maybe I'm just hoping it is. Um, we've already seen so much happen since that Stanford game. But I, I think that when it's all said and done, this is going to be the most impactful. And I think how Marcus Freeman approaches this hire, especially in the aftermath of what happened last year, will likely define his tenure as the head coach at Notre Dame. It's just that critical, in my opinion. And as for today, I'll go over what I think this means for Notre Dame in the present, what comes next, how it affects recruiting, and I'll share some names who I think would be a great fit to replace Barker, including a name that most of you are probably already pretty familiar with. But let's start with my biggest takeaway. This is the best thing that could have possibly happened for Notre Dame, for Marcus Freeman, for Jared Parker. Like, how rare is it that you lose a coordinator after just one season in the middle of the transfer portal cycle in two days before signing day, and everyone looks around and is like, yep, that's actually pretty perfect for everyone. It's it's so rare, and it's why it's so difficult to sort of wrap my head around, but I feel really good about this situation, and it's great for Jared Parker because he gets to be the head coach for a Really good group of five program. Troy is really solid. He should be able to win there right away. They went a combined 23-4 and four the last two seasons under John Summerall. They finished 15-2 and two in conference play in the Sun Bowl. They won a bowl game last year. That's a really good job for a man. Um, the guy went from a tight ends coach to the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame to the head coach of a quality group of five program in just two years. And no matter what your opinion is of Jared Parker, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator, that's really impressive. Um, as for Marcus Freeman, this is probably what he wanted all along. I'm sure that if you um, injected him with truth serum and talked to him behind closed doors, I'm sure that he would have described this as the best case scenario for him. Parker was not his first choice for his job. We all know that. He was third at best and, and likely lower than that, given the way that Notre Dame approached the offensive coordinator higher last season. But 
Freeman gave Parker a fair opportunity to do the job after everything that went down. And Parker had some really good moments against bad competition. I'll give you that. But it just didn't work out against the best teams on Notre Dame's schedule. And rather than being forced to fire one of his close friends, uh, someone who Marcus Freeman has a really long history with, having to do that after one season is, is really difficult. But he basically got let off the hook because Troy essentially essentially did the job for him and took Jared Parker away. It's kind of like when you're at work and it's been snowing all day and you look outside and you know, God, I got to go home and shovel the driveway once I get home. And you've been dreading it all afternoon, but then you pull in and you realize that, wait a second, your neighbor with the snowplow came in and did it for you. They did all that grunt work. And now you get to just enjoy the rest of your evening rather than letting it build up and then maybe getting stuck in it tomorrow because you didn't want to do it that evening. That actually happened to me one time um, when I was back living in Connecticut. We got like 13 inches of snow in one day and I was driving home, could barely see the road. And I pull in, I was like, oh my God, my driveway is clear. I went over to my neighbor to give him cookies and he like there's like three of them and he looked at me like, dude, do you think that was worth the work that I just did? But anyway, I'm rambling here. Uh, I really think that this is the best thing for Marcus Freeman. He doesn't have to fire his friend. And I know that there's some people out there who think Freeman should have fired Parker like the day after the Clemson game. But that sort of thinking doesn't consider all of the other variables involved and some very important variables as well. Like how appealing is the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job under Marcus Freeman if Marcus Freeman is willing to fire a first-year offensive coordinator before the season even ends, or if he did it immediately after the season when his team finished in the top 10 in yards per play and scoring offense, like other coaches are going to look at that and be like, do I really want to work in a place like that? Like that matters to these coaches, whether you like it or not, it does. Plus, I think Parker handled himself as well as anyone possibly could given the circumstances, given the hand that he was dealt with. That's why I think some of the reaction I saw to this news, it, it kind of bummed me out. I'm going to be honest. I, I thought it sucked. I'm not going to get all preachy, but I thought some of the stuff I saw on social media, which I guess is my own fault for <laughs> reading too much into social media reaction, but I just thought some of the stuff I saw about Parker leaving was pretty ridiculous, if I'm being honest. And to be clear, like I think the fact that Notre Dame is going to hire a, n- a new offensive coordinator is the best thing for this program in the short term and the long term, but it doesn't mean I've got to be a dick about it. Like He didn't come up in big spots this year, but he still was a good representative of the university, and the offense wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. The guy always took responsibility when things didn't work out. He worked his ass off, never shied away from any of the stuff that came his way. And uh, yeah, I I wish him the best of luck, even though I know that sentiment is not going to be shared by some members of the fan base. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Like I said, not going to get preachy. I'll get off my high horse here. And let's just talk about what Marcus Freeman needs to do, because this is such a crucial hire for his term. And last year, we all know that Notre Dame botched the hire. We can point fingers all we want, but it really doesn't matter because the results are what they are, and we can't go back in time to change it. But now, Marcus Freeman and everyone involved in the process can at least work to rectify the situation the best they can by nailing this hire. This is an extremely attractive job, arguably more attractive than it was last season now that Notre Dame was able to show some um, serious improvement and growth in year two of Marcus Freeman's tenure as the head coach at Notre Dame. Like the Notre Dame brand, it speaks for itself. We don't have to cover that. And Marcus Freeman seems like a guy that 
people want to work for. That's why Mike Brown left Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. That's why Gino Gadulli did the exact same thing when he left Wisconsin to come to Notre Dame and work for Marcus Freeman. They had experience working with him before, and they realized that is a guy that they want to continue working for in the future. Not to mention the fact that Notre Dame's last three defensive coordinators are now head coaches, and their last two offensive coordinators are a head coach and one of, if not the highest paid offensive coordinators in the entire country, working for the greatest coach in the history of college football, in my opinion, at Alabama. Most importantly, though, Notre Dame is willing to spend some money, probably more now than they ever have in the past with their assistants and specifically the coordinators. And last year should be a lesson for everyone on what not to do. Notre Dame is going to be willing to pay, and I think that they're going to be able to learn from everything that went down last year, and that includes Marcus Freeman Everyone involved in the hiring process last year that's going to be involved this year is going to look at last year and be like, well, we cannot do that again. I think they're going to work extra hard to make sure that they nail this hire. Everyone deserves a second chance. And usually second chances are not as clean as this one. But this is pretty cut and dry for Marcus Freeman. And I have a lot of confidence that he's going to find the right guy for the job. And this time, I feel confident that the administrators in charge will make sure that they do everything in their power to support the head coach and get him the guy he wants. All right, coming up next, let's talk about what this move means for Notre Dame in recruiting and my biggest question about how the Irish go about hiring Jared Parker's replacement. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we continue, please make sure that you've subscribed on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous during this holiday season, please like the video, rate the show five stars, leave a review, whatever your heart desires, because I really do appreciate it. And it goes a long way in the growth of this show. Okay, let's look at how Jared Parker's move affects Notre Dame in recruiting. This is especially important given the fact that tomorrow is the early signing day. But to be honest with you, I don't think it will have much, if any, impact on this year's class at all. Because even though Jared Parker was a good recruiter, I don't want to make it seem like he wasn't. I think he was very active last week. He was seen on the road with Marcus Freeman and the rest of the staff going from house to house of Notre Dame's commits, making sure that everything was locked in and ready to go before signing day. Um, and I just I think that he did a good job, but it wasn't like that guys were committing 
to play specifically for Jared Parker. They're committing to play for the right reasons. They're, com- they're committing to play for Marcus Freeman, for the University of Notre Dame, for everything that the university can offer them down the road, as well as what the football program should be able to do here over the course of the next few years. They are sold on Marcus Freeman's vision for the program, and that is a very healthy place to be. Because personally, I've always kind of thought it was pretty short-sighted for a high school kid to recruit specifically for an assistant coach, because these guys move around all the time, even at schools like Georgia, Alabama. The average tenure of a big-time college football coordinator or even position coach, it's probably like two to three years in the best-case scenario. Like Guys are not around beyond three years because they're consistently climbing the coaching ranks and they're moving on, and that requires moving on from a position like a tight ends coach and offensive coordinator to get a better job. These guys are extremely competitive. Uh, They're very ambitious, and they want to continue the growth in their careers, which a a lot of times means that guys that they recruit, they get to coach them for a short period of time, and then they move on to another kid, another class that they got to recruit, and then they're going to move on from there. It happens all the time, but I think Notre Dame is in a place where Their head coach is leading the way on a lot of these recruits, and that's a big reason why losing the coordinator just a couple days before signing day is not the end of the world. I think Notre Dame's class is going to remain intact tomorrow on signing day. But what about the transfer portal? Because this is the middle of the cycle, and Notre Dame is not finished adding guys to their roster. They've been pretty effective on offense so far adding a new quarterback in Riley Leonard from Duke. They've already added two wide receivers in Bo Collins um, and Chris Mitchell. They had another top receiver prospect in the transfer portal in Jamal Banks on campus this weekend. I'm sure we'll find out more about his decision in the coming days. And that all happened while Notre Dame didn't even have a wide receivers coach, at least not officially. Mike Brown wasn't uh, officially hired until later on. But Notre Dame was able to get that done without a wide receivers coach. I think they'll be okay uh, without an offensive coordinator here in the short term because I do think that Marcus Freeman is going to work pretty pretty quickly in hiring that replacement. Now, I don't know when we're going to get the official announcement because you know Christmas is only a week away and these kinds of announcements might, it doesn't really kind of line up well for that to happen. Maybe we'll find out before Christmas, maybe not. We'll have to see. But I feel like Marcus Freeman is going to continue to be aggressive and if there's a guy he wants, I don't think that not having an offensive coordinator right now is going to get in the way of that. But my big question about this Higher and what it means for the future of Notre Dame, not just football, but athletics. What is Pete Bavacqua's role in all of this? Pete Bavacqua is obviously the heir apparent to uh, Jack Swarbrick. The, well, I guess he is the acting athletic director for Notre Dame, but then once he steps down at the end of this academic year, then Pete Bavacqua is going to fill in his shoes. The transition is already ongoing. We've started to see him a lot more um, at Notre Dame events, usually right by Jack Swarbrick's side. So I think that he's starting to get more and more responsibility, and I believe that this is going to be his first big hire in the football program. I'm sure Swarbrick's going to be involved. It's not like he's going to you know, be completely standoffish from this whole thing. But this is a big, big moment for Pete Bavacqua and something that I've been thinking about really um, ever since this news broke because what do we know about Pete Bavacqua? He's an alum, and the guy loves Notre Dame. He loves the university, but specifically the football program. Like He's a fan at heart. He loves going to the games, and he wants Notre Dame to win. He wants Notre Dame to get back to their glory days, and he's very ambitious, and I believe he wants to do everything he can to get this program to where it needs to be. Uh, that's one nice thing about having a guy like him in the in the office there. It's like, 
we don't have to have any concerns about what he wants in this football program. Like he grew up uh, during the, the glory days of Notre Dame football in the Lou Holtz era. Like he wants Notre Dame to get back there. And I think this is a really big moment for him. He's going to work with Marcus Freeman and the rest of the staff who's going to be involved with this hire. And I think that he recognizes the opportunity and realizes the importance of hiring a really effective offensive coordinator to coach alongside Marcus Freeman, who we all believe in, and then defensive coordinator Al Golden, who has proven to be one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire country. We haven't heard much from Pete Bavacqua since he was announced as the next athletic director to replace Jack Swarbrick, but um, this could be a huge opportunity for him to make a statement to everyone in the Notre Dame community that he means business and he's going to get this football program to the top. I'm not sure what the responsibilities between him and Swarbrick are in this role, but I feel very confident saying that he's going to have a lot more control in this situation than he has in the past. And I'm really excited about the potential of Pete Bavacqua at Notre Dame, and I think this this move is going to go a long way and how fans perceive him once he fully takes over this job. And it's just a really great opportunity for him. And I'm confident he's going to do what it takes to get Marcus Freeman the guy he wants. All right, let's get to the fun stuff. My top candidates I want for Notre Dame's offensive coordinator job coming up next. We got some really exciting stuff going on here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So whenever a move like this happens, whenever a coordinator leaves, whenever a position, a position coach takes another job, every fan, myself included, immediately rushes to find, give me all the lists, right? Give me all the lists of all the top replacements, the top candidates that Notre Dame could look for to hire next to fill that role. I don't know why it's so intoxicating, but it is. And now I'm here to reveal who I think Notre Dame should hire. And the top choice to me is pretty easy. It's LSU offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock. And if you asked me this a year ago, I wouldn't have even considered the name because frankly, I didn't even think it was in the realm of possibility. But it almost seems too good to be true if you think about it. Denbrock has worked at Notre Dame for 10 years. He first worked at Notre Dame from 2002 through 2004 under Tyrone Willingham. And then again in 2010 through 2016 under Brian Kelly. He also worked with Marcus Freeman, Gino Godoli, and Mike Brown. When he was at Cincinnati, he was the offensive coordinator there and helped lead them to the college football playoffs. So it's not just that he has a history with the school. He also has history with the current head coach and several other key members on the staff. And he also is coming off one of the best coaching jobs in modern college football because he led LSU to one of the best offenses in college football history statistically, and he developed Jaden Daniels into a Heisman Trophy winner. If you had told me that uh, during Jaden Daniels' last year at Arizona State that that guy was eventually going to win the Heisman Trophy, I would have told you that you're insane. Like Clearly, he's always been a great athlete, but the fact that he was able to put it all together, especially as a passer, is, is just an incredible uh, job done by the entire LSU offensive staff, but particularly Mike Denbrock for creating a system that is able to maximize Dane's potential. It makes you think, imagine what he could do with a guy like Riley Leonard, who is a great runner, not the same athlete that Jane Daniels is, but is still a very effective runner nonetheless, who still has things to work on as a passer. It seems too good to be true. Plus, 
Denbrock coaches tight ends at LSU, so he would fit seamlessly on the staff at Notre Dame because they wouldn't have to move around any of the other position coaches. He could just come in and plug and play as the offensive coordinator and the tight ends coach. Obviously, the issue here is Notre Dame is going to have to pay him a ton of money to get away from LSU. Denbrock just turned down the offensive coordinator job at Texas A&M and we all know about Texas A&M. They're not afraid to throw some money around. So Denbrock was willing to turn that down. Now, there's obviously some other factors that probably went into it. Working at Texas A&M, it's not for everyone. It wouldn't be for me, personally, right? And plus, Denbrock has a great relationship with Brian Kelly. I'm pretty sure that Denbrock was in Brian Kelly's wedding, um, which made his departure from Notre Dame after the 2016 season make such little sense. Like I never really got it at the time, but uh, I was even looking back at some of those articles today. It seems like most of the reaction was uh, pretty confused, but Notre Dame was completely overhauling everything, specifically Brian Kelly, bringing in a ton of new coaches after the absolute disaster of the four and eight season back in 2016. So I don't really put too much stock into that and, and his departure from Notre Dame then, even though he went to Cincinnati. Um, I just think that Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, they needed a new face in the room. They went with Chip Long and it ended up working out for both parties because Denbrock was really successful at Cincinnati and then him and Brian Kelly linked up later at LSU. But it seems like if the money is equal or at least anywhere close to equal, which again, it's going to be tough for Notre Dame to do, I think Denbrock would seriously consider going back to Notre Dame. There's been some reports out there that Denbrock was making about $1.5 million at LSU before the Texas A&M offer. Since then, Brian Kelly, LSU, they've been working on finalizing a three-year extension. I don't know if that has been signed at this point in time. Maybe he was still working under the details of his old contract that was set to end at, after the end of next season. Um, I'm sure there's a pretty hefty buyout. We learned a lot about buyouts last year with the Andy Ludwig situation, but um, I, I really do think that this is an option, way more so than I would have thought even a couple days ago. I, I, I feel pretty good that Denbrock would at least consider the job if Notre Dame is willing to pay enough. I think at this point, Denbrock is going to be one of, if not the highest paid offensive coordinators in all of college football. Notre Dame has been willing to pay coordinators. Al Golden makes over $2 million a year. He's one of the highest paid defensive coordinators in college football. Would Notre Dame be willing to pay a similar amount for the offensive coordinator? We'll have to wait and see, but I think he would be, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say perfect hire, but it just seems so perfect given his history at Notre Dame, given his history with Mark Stringman and the coaching staff, and given his success in the past few years running the LSU offense. I, I think Denbrock is by far my top choice. But behind him, I'm looking at Missouri offensive coordinator Kirby Moore. He's one of the biggest risers in the coaching industry right now after he helped uh, lead Missouri to their best team since 2007 in their first year in the SEC. But it is noteworthy that he's very young and inexperienced. He's going to be 32 years old in 2024. And when you look around Notre Dame staff, it's a lot of young dudes. Uh, Al Golden is not young, but they probably could use a couple more Al Goldens on the staff, a seasoned vet with a ton of experience who's seen it all in the college game. But Kirby Moore is not like that. But that's not to say that he can't do a very good job if he were hired at Notre Dame. Missouri finished in the top 25 in scoring offense last season and in the top 15 in yards per play while playing a pretty tough schedule in the SEC. Uh, Moore helped develop Brady Cook into being one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. 
Kirby is also the little brother of Kellen Moore, who is the current offensive coordinator for the LA Chargers. And the uh, and Kellen was also the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys for some time. He's one of the you know most respected offensive minds in the NFL, despite how bad the LA Chargers have been this season. Although I think that has more to do with Brandon Staley, who was just recently fired, instead of Kellen Moore. But clearly, football runs in the family. And uh, Kirby Moore actually uh, played at Boise State along with his brother, Kellen Moore. Um, again, doesn't have a ton of experience, only has one year coaching the Power Five when he was at Missouri. Prior to that, he worked at Fresno State, but this is a very uh, highly thought of coach right now. He's a he's going to get a lot of job offers here in the next few years. Does it make sense for him to go to Notre Dame, given the fact that he's so young, he's so inexperienced, and we're starting to see Marcus Freeman prioritize experience more and more um, as he's been the head coach at Notre Dame? Uh, and I think that there's some, certainly some pros to this one, but I also understand the cons as well. Next up, and this is a long shot, I'll admit, Washington offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. This is the same guy that turned down Nick Saban last year, but I would say maybe that was because Ryan Grubb knew how special this year's Washington Huskies team could be with Michael Penix Jr., with Roma Dunze, with McMillan, with all the dudes they've got on that team. And it worked out for them because they finished 13-0, won the Pac-12, and now they're in the college football playoff. But there is a chance that Grubb could be looking around and think, hey, we're about to lose a ton of our best players, including Michael Penix Jr., Roma Dunze, several of their top defensive guys as well. And his stock is about as high as it can possibly get. Now, he's also very tight with Kalen DeBoer, the head coach for the Washington Huskies, who has proven to be one of the best head coaches in the entire country. So getting Grubb away from Kalen DeBoer would be a very difficult task, not to mention the fact that Washington is certainly willing to throw around some money as well. So this would be a very, very tough get for Notre Dame. But I think that the way that Washington's offense has been run the past few seasons, I think it's just such a testament to the job that Ryan Grubb has done. And I think that Notre Dame should at least try and reach out. Uh, if Den Brock doesn't work out, if some of the other options don't work out, Grubb would be a great hire at Notre Dame. But one thing I want to mention, those are my top three guys, right? And you're going to see them on a lot of these lists that people put out. Um, there, I read a few today from Jamie Uyama from Irish Sports Daily. He's always on it. Pete Sampson had a good one today. Matt Fortuna at the inside zone. Like, There's all these names. There's all these great candidates. But you have to remember, at a lot of times, there's names that nobody even thinks about that end up going really far in the hiring process and could end up being great assistant coaches. Just think about last year. Was, was Colin Klein on anyone's list when Tommy Reese left to take the job at Alabama? I didn't see it. Was Andy Ludwig? I didn't see that one either. And then once they came to Notre Dame to be interviewed, and specifically Andy Ludwig, everyone fell in love with the idea of Notre Dame hiring Andy Ludwig, even though some people probably had never even heard of him just a few weeks prior. It happens all the time. These coaches who know way more about the sport than we do, who know way more about these other coaches around the country, they know who the good ones are. And I have a feeling that... If it's not Denbrock, if it's not Grubb, if it's not uh, Kirby Moore, I think that there's going to be a couple names that are thrown out there. Maybe it's at the NFL level. Maybe Freeman wants to dip into that. Maybe he wants to get someone who's on the cutting edge of the NFL uh, offensive system, kind of like how he prioritized cutting edge uh, in the strength and conditioning coach hire. I think that Marcus Freeman is going to do a really extensive search. There's going to be some names that none of us have ever thought about before. And then when we hear it, we're going to be like, oh, you know what? 
that's actually a good idea. Maybe Marcus Freeman knows what he's talking about. But look, I am very excited about whoever is the next guy. I think this is a very exciting time for the college football or for Notre Dame football. And uh, this is a big, big moment, especially with the college football playoff expanding next year. It's going to be playoff or bust every season for Notre Dame, but specifically next season in Marcus Freeman's third year. They're going to be loaded with talent um, with like guys like Howard Cross and Riley Mills coming back. Notre Dame should have a very good team next year, and they need an offensive coordinator to maximize their offense, especially after what happened last year. If they can figure that out and you got a championship-level defense on the other side of the ball, uh, I mean, expectations are going to be really high for the Notre Dame football program next year. But that is going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with a big signing day show. Going to have one of my favorite recruiting insiders on the beat come on to do a full breakdown of Notre Dame's class of 2024. Then on Thursday... Luke Smith is going to be back on to do our end of season award show. We got lots of exciting stuff coming your way before the holidays. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Follow the show on X at Lockdown Irish on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod. My personal X account is at Tyler W O J C I A K. Same time, same place tomorrow, guys. See you then.